serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. Jack Murphy. He's been popping up on my radar and I think probably on a lot of your radars. He is a men's guru and a frequent guest on Tim Pool. And up until this week, I think that was the main thing that he was known for. Oh, I guess Adam was on his uh, podcast as well a few weeks ago, Adam Curry. But lately, we've seen a whole other side of Jack Murphy that has been exposed, and it has been hilarious. So what am I talking about? This conservative, God-fearing ex-Democrat who has been red-pilled, and he wrote about being red-pilled, and now turns out maybe isn't so red-pilled after all. By the way, I guess I, I should have mentioned this particular podcast has adult topics. The controversy started when Sidney Watson asked him a question that was really not even a question from her, but something that she had read as a paid comment on YouTube during the live streaming of their podcast. Uh, I can't remember the name of the podcast. I apologize for that off the top of my head. I don't usually watch it. It just appeared in my inbox. I do like Sydney, though. I've seen uh, her past videos, and every now and then I will watch stuff. But I don't watch their podcast, which is, I guess, on Glenn Beck's network. Anyway, so during that live stream of the recording, a paid YouTube comment, sponsored comment, whatever you want to call it, basically on YouTube, you can pay money to have your comments be more readily visible to the hosts and usually read by the host. And this was what this was. So she was literally reading a comment question for Jack, which was, Jack, would you like to explain what the heck's going on with that article on cockleding that you published a number of years back? And the, while Sydney was reading this, you could tell she's not even sure what the hell this person's talking about by looking at her face. And yet, Jack didn't seem to pick up on the fact that Sydney is, A, just reading somebody else's question, and B, herself not sure what the hell she's talking about because she doesn't know about this article. She doesn't know what the hell Jack wrote about. And instead, Jack gets very mad at her, cusses her out quite strongly during this live broadcast, tells her to go fuck herself and a few other things, and essentially brings up more questions for people watching, like, what the hell made Jack so triggered? Because he very much was triggered. She said something that made him respond not in a normal joking manner to dismiss something or a sincere manner to explain this was an article about blotty blah that I wrote when I was still a Democrat. Whatever. No. Instead, his reaction was very violent, very scared, like a, a trapped rodent whose tail just got caught in a mouse trap and it was trying to run away and trying to bite and scratch at everything in its path. That was what Jack looked like if you were watching. And then when the show ended, he got up, said one more fuck you, and then left the studio in a huff. Apparently one of the, the other co-hosts of the show did run after him and uh, they ended up chatting a little more. But this has become, at least in the videos I watched, a huge blow up on the internet. Now, uh, again, this is a niche celebrity who's barely a celebrity. This is on a niche show that, again, not a whole lot of people watch. 
a lot more will be watching now, I think, after getting pulled into this, like, what the heck's going on kind of situation. But here's the interesting part of the story is that obviously the question is, what is this article that triggered Jack so badly that he had his Karen moment and uh, started getting all mad? And in fact, as we later find out, trying to get Sydney fired from her job for daring to read a comment that somebody asked the question which is literally what she does on that show and has been doing since they've had the show. So Jack's not looking all that good right now. And of course, once people start looking for the article, they find it, even though Jack had managed to do whatever it takes, I'm not even sure what it entails, to get the article removed from the Wayback Machine. Which, by the way, makes the Wayback Machine a bit of a bullshit thing. Like when somebody can pay, presumably, to get, their contents off your backup engine that's supposed to be a backup of the internet that you can go back and find things that no longer exist because the website's down or it's been deleted or it's just fun going down memory lane. Well, it's not really a backup if you can delete things from that backup. The internet is supposed to be something that lasts forever, that no data is deleted, but yet apparently Jack has managed to pull that article from the Wayback Machine, which kind of demonstrates Wayback Machine is bullshit. Anyway, article that he wrote was a, uh, I'm not sure, I guess it was Salon or some magazine that he wrote for, which was talking about the benefits of cuckoldry, of him enjoying sending his then-girlfriend, now-fiancé, to go fuck other men. So there you go. There's your warning right there. So he talked about how awesome it is and masculine it is to be a cuckold. Now, this was written six, seven years ago, so it was a way back. And you can understand was uh, if he's trying to put this behind him, he's changed his life, he is not really proud of that moment. Okay, I kind of see that, but his reaction was completely off the hinge. There's many ways to play around that. If somebody brings up something negative, from an earlier part of your life, there are many ways to convey to the other person that you really regret that and you don't want to talk about it. If you do regret it, I don't know, maybe Jack doesn't regret writing that article. Maybe he was just nervous about people in this particular audience reading it versus his other audience. And what do I mean by that? Because of the controversy that Jack managed to stir up, and people digging through things that he has published and his background and looking for other articles, people stumbled upon videos that Jack did. And these videos aren't from seven years ago. They're from just three years ago. And what are these videos? They're porn. Jack is a porn actor, apparently. Not a hugely successful one, mind you. But one, nonetheless, that as recently as three years ago was doing bodily penetrations of himself, apparently. Now, I have not watched the videos. I'm going by what somebody that has watched the videos was describing. But he is uh, engaged in both solo and uh, multiple people sex videos just three years ago. Now, three years ago. I certainly never heard of Jack three years ago, but I heard of Jack two years ago when he started popping up on the Timcast. And his whole persona, the way he presented himself, was as this conservative, religious man who is old-fashioned in the sense that he is 
wanting uh, men to be less pussy and more masculine. Now, I, I use that term not as a derogatory term, but I'm literally quoting what Jack has said. So Jack's this lumberjack-looking guy with a big beard and uh, six-foot-something, just a, a big, burly guy. Not to say that big, burly guys have to be conservative or religious or anything else. There's actually a whole group within the spectrum of different preferences of gay guys that like the big, burly guy. And I think they're referred to as bears, which I guess makes sense because bears are big and burly and hairy. Jack would definitely qualify as a bear, I think, in, in that regard. So once this comes out, Jack now is completely off the hinges. He's threatening lawsuits. He's calling people sexual predators. He is effectively going on a rampage, a Karen to the extreme. For what? For people pointing out what he himself has released into public. That original article that he got so mad about that he had to be swearing at Sydney for reading the uh, question from the comment, that article was published. I don't know if he got paid for it, but he certainly wrote it. There's no denying that. The porn videos pretty much is in them. I mean, you can't deny what your eyes are showing you. This is not a deep fake. He never said that it was a deep fake. He actually talked about somewhere more recently that, oh, I guess to his members, because he runs his men's group. And uh, I suspect quite a few people in that group that are paying him money to learn how to be real men, how to be better men. Once they realize that they're learning how to be men from a guy who may look like a lumberjack, but as the Monty Python song goes, likes to wear high heels. So I think Jack's going to lose a lot of money. I think Jack's career is pretty much over. There's very little chance of rescuing it. And the way he's acting, all he's doing is digging a deeper and deeper hole. Now, the topic of this podcast, and by the way, Happy New Year. This is the final episode of 2021. The goal of this podcast, or the, the focus of this episode, I should say, isn't to talk about Jack, because this is just a fun little blip on the radar that's happened. It's watching somebody who I was already suspicious of, and I'll, I'll explain what I originally didn't like about him. When he was on, on TimCast maybe three months ago, two, three months ago, Tim was talking to him about what is happening with the increased government controls is really the fault of the people that are going along with it, that are willing to. So if, if you start pushing back, and uh, certainly if enough people start pushing back, there will be no more mandates. The government will have no choice but to wrap things up, bring them back to uh, the status that they were prior to the whole COVID thing. And Jack was fully in agreement and very, very much on the talking points that government has gone way beyond what the government should be allowed to do in imposing uh, new rules, creating laws out of thin air, calling them laws, even though they're not really laws. They were never passed by Congress. And this is true of states as well. Many governors on the left have just imposed things on their populations that they have no real part to do as a governor. So Jack's agreeing with them until it got to a point where they started talking about more personal questions of like vaccines. And Jack instantly said, you know, my kids, they're involved in some high school sports or something, which requires vaccines. So of course they're going to get it and I'm going to get it. 
because I want to go to those. It's like, hold up, Jack. Now you just, you're now not only straddling the fence, you're saying contrary opinions here. You're saying that you're going to be willing to get the vaccine. You're going to allow your kids to get an experimental vaccine. And he's perfectly fine for it. And his rationalization is, well, they love sports. And if they don't get the vaccine, they can't participate in high school sports. And then he goes on this whole big story about how important sports are. And uh, yeah, sports are fun. They're good for you. Exercise is good for you. But they sure as hell don't trump ethics and principles. And that's the first time that I noticed that, wait a minute, Jack isn't really a principled guy, is he? Jack is somebody that is willing to compromise at the drop of a hat simply because now it's a personal thing. So he's talking like he's not willing to compromise as long as it has to do with other people. And as soon as it actually affects him, now it, it takes nothing to get him to compromise the principles that he supposedly has and to participate in a system that is corrupt. Incidentally, this is the simplest demonstration of how the average German person went along with Nazi policies that included concentration camps and extermination of people based on their religion. That's because the average German was not a Nazi. Their average German probably knew Jews that lived around them and didn't hate them. But the average German did not want to lose their ability to interact with commerce and to be singled out as a friend of Jews. And it was just simpler to go along with these Nazi principles with really Hitler's crazy-ass vision of, if we just get rid of the Jews, then everything will be great. Even if they didn't believe what Hitler was saying, they were perfectly fine with accepting it. Or, like Jack, they were fine with it if it helped them out personally. So principles don't mean a whole lot if your principles change at the first sign of personal threat. And that was way before this incident that is happening right now with Jack, about three months ago is what I would say prior. And from that point on, I was a lot more critical of Jack. I was, my, my comments tended not to be particularly friendly. I certainly have posted a number of times to Tim Cass saying, you really guys, you really don't, shouldn't have him on. This guy is not demonstrating the principles that he's claiming to have, but clearly a friend of Tim. So he's been on uh, at least once a month, sometimes a couple times a month. I'd be curious to see what happens moving forward. If Tim is still going to have him on and deal with all the negative backlash or not, but I'm being very long winded here. I started by saying, and the point of this episode is actually not Jack Murphy. The point that I'm getting to after 15 minutes is actually schadenfreude. Now, some of you have heard of schadenfreude. Maybe some people have not. Schadenfreude is a German word that essentially means taking pleasure from the pain of others or the misfortune of others. It sounds bad, right? It's, it sounds like, hold on, you're, you're taking joy from seeing something bad happening to another person, which clearly I am at this point in of watching what's happening with Jack. I'm enjoying seeing the process of the fall of Jack Murphy. Incidentally, Jack Murphy is not actually his name. John Goldman is his name. Jack Murphy is a pseudonym that he's been using. And this is the irony. 
that's the pseudonym he's been using both for his writing about sex and his pornography name. And it's the pseudonym he's using when he's on Tim Pool and when he is selling memberships to his men's club, his, his men's group, teaching men how to be strong. The pleasure that I'm getting out of that is exactly the same that I'm sure you have as well when you watch the YouTube fail video compilation. And there's a number of them. There's the Darwin Award type compilations. And laughing at anybody while you're watching a Darwin Award video is schadenfreude. It is seeing somebody doing something stupid and then getting a just reward for doing that stupid thing that causes a reaction of laughter and smiling in most people. And that is because this is actually not a learned behavior. This is a genetically programmed behavior that is actually meant to reinforce doing good things rather than doing bad things. What do I mean by this? So we are effectively programmed, as are many other animals, for life preservation. We are programmed to exhibit behaviors, not learn behaviors to do this, but actually they're built in. They exist even if you take a kid and stick them on an island and have no human contact with them, kind of a Tarzan-type situation. That kid, when he grows up, as he's growing up or when he's an adult, will still have schadenfreude. He will still laugh when some animal tries to do something and then falls out of a tree. And especially if falling out of a tree was obvious. If you see uh, like a giant sloth trying to climb a very skinny branch that is starting to bend because he's trying to reach a particular leaf to eat or something, and then ends up having the branch break and him falling down to the ground. That is funny because it was apparent to us that this was a bad idea and somebody doing something that is a bad idea and, and then failing at it brings that sense of laughter. You're, you get enjoyment out of seeing somebody do something poorly. And the reason for that, or the connection to why this is a a natural behavior, not a learned behavior, is because it's reinforcing the built-in desire to not do that. So essentially, you don't want to be the subject of schadenfreude. You don't want to be the person climbing on something that is clearly not designed to hold your weight, falling off of it, and then having other people laugh at you. So it's a way to get you to think about not only is what I'm doing dangerous, but also is what I'm doing something that will lead to embarrassment. And incidentally, embarrassment is another non-learned behavior. This is embarrassment. It's something that, that is built in, that we're born with, that is programmed genetically into us. And so schadenfreude is a reinforcement of embarrassment. And embarrassment is a uh, feeling that is a self-preservation motivator. It's something that is designed to make you avoid doing things that will make you feel embarrassed. Because by doing that, you will avoid things that could also be dangerous to you. So self-preservation is the driving force in all of these things. Now, take that to the extreme case. And you get into sadism. I'm sure people have heard of Marquis de Sade. 
or maybe you haven't, for whom sadism is named. And sadism has the other side of the coin, which is masochism. And masochism is wanting to do harm to yourself or wanting others to do harm to you. And sadism is wanting to do harm to others or enjoying watching that harm being done. And these can be both in a sexual context with BDSM, or it can be completely non-sexual as just uh, particular traits that people have that have nothing to do with sexual excitement, but merely somebody that enjoys seeing pain and misery. This is sort of the villain of horror movies. A lot of horror movies really have nothing to do with any kind of sexual tie-ins to pain and misery, but they do have some type of deranged character that is the main villain of the horror movie, or maybe it's an alien or something like that as well. But any non-human or non-animal type portrayal of something that's evil is really more of a metaphor for evil people that are causing these things. Or maybe, uh, maybe it's just a metaphor for nature as well sometimes. So with schadenfreude, taking pleasure out of seeing somebody fail, and it is more heightened pleasure when you feel that failure is justified. Like seeing somebody just do something stupid and something silly may be funny, but seeing somebody have the opportunity to make a better choice and then not making the better choice and instead making a worse choice and then seeing them fail is even more funny. Uh, a lot of these videos, if you watch fail videos of things like drunk people who have a, a diminished sense of what is good and bad for themselves to do. Some of these videos are things like I've watched some of guys climbing lampposts, which is stupid and you shouldn't really do that. And generally only people that are affected by some sort of uh, drug, including alcohol, will do stupid things like this. And then you watch them and inevitably either the lamp pole not designed to hold their weight starts collapsing or they just can't hang on and they fall. And you could just feel that they do something stupid, falling and hitting the ground. Just, yeah, like you can feel that pain, but it's funny. You laugh at it because the person deserves it. You see karma at play. And incidentally, karma is directly tied to schadenfreude. The assumption that if you do something bad, something bad will happen to you. And that's the way it ought to be, uh, which is very much what karma is. Uh, and then, of course, the flip side of that coin is if you do good things and good things will happen to you. Doesn't always happen, but at least you're avoiding doing bad things, which will bring bad things to you. But observing karma in action, just like the Darwin Awards, is really only interesting because it generates the endorphins that you get when you experience schadenfreude, when you experience this feeling of watching somebody fail who deserves to fail. Now, you can also take that feeling to people that aren't necessarily doing something bad and simply are people that you think deserve to fail because you don't agree with them. And I think politics is a great example of that, politics in general, where you may think that the politician who is on the opposite side of your particular political affiliation is a bad person. They're evil, they're bad, they're promoting 
the opposite of what you believe in. Maybe they're pro-life and you're pro-choice. Maybe it's the other way around. But in either scenario, like you feel that they are doing things that are bad for you or maybe bad for society. And when they have an event that causes them failure, and this could be getting caught with prostitutes at the hotel room, just cheating, not even prostitutes, but just cheating on your wife and getting caught. Maybe photos of them in a threesome pop up. That maybe uh, it has nothing to do with sex and it has to do with bribery. But when they get caught and doing something bad, you experience schadenfreude. You experience that feeling of joy from watching somebody get their just rewards, karma, Darwin Awards, all of these things are related, and all of them cause a feeling of endorphins of pleasure, not a feeling of endorphins, a feeling of pleasure caused by endorphins in your brain when you observe that type of behavior. Sports, you, you can definitely observe the same thing happening in sports. It's not just your team winning or your team scoring that causes endorphins and pleasure for you. And by your team, incidentally, I don't mean the team that you're actually playing on because most people are not on teams playing sports competitively. Most people are observing somebody else playing sports, somebody who they identified with. And quite funny to me, in fact, how strong the identification is simply based on the city of origin of the team. Just because I live somewhere, what does that have to do with my liking a team that happens to also live in that city. It's not like the players on that team are my neighbors. I mean, it's not like these people were born and raised in that city and they're fighting for that city in the sport. No, this, these are people that got hired and moved to that city where they, by the way, a lot of them live only part-time and then they're working in their sports that they're presumably good at for that city for some portion of time or state, doesn't have to be a city, for locale. And then they move on and end up uh, playing for some other team. So it, it is weird to me just how emotional people get about their hometown team when that really doesn't mean a whole lot these days. But nonetheless, it exists. So it's not just the pleasure of seeing your team win. It's the pleasure of seeing the other team lose. It's the pleasure of watching a goalie on their other team miss a shot and get scored at. It's the pleasure of watching an MMA fighter who you dislike or who you like less than the other guy doing a move that doesn't work. And then as a result, end up getting into a, an armbar or a chokehold or something. It's the pleasure you get from watching failure of somebody you dislike. And that that emotion, that experience absolutely comes from a, a deep-seated, non-learned behavior that ties back to survival or helping to ensure your survival. So it's an interesting thing. And for those of you that have been following the Jack Murphy downfall, or for the John Goldman downfall, I guess is his real name, it's going to be interesting to see where it ends. But man, I told you where I didn't like him originally was the inconsistency of just saying, well, if my kids need to get shots for sports, I guess we're all getting shots. And then seeing him go completely off the hinge when somebody mentions this cuckold article he wrote, which he absolutely wrote. And then because of his behavior of acting like a absolute jerk to the interviewer, 
people started digging for more things. And lo and behold, finding his porn videos from just a few years back and apparently multiple, not just a single one. Now, I certainly don't want to say that I find anything wrong with him either writing the article or with doing whatever sexual acts he enjoys or doesn't enjoy, I guess, maybe, I don't know, but whatever, as the saying goes, I don't judge. I really don't care. And he's not flaunting it in front of me. You'd have to go out and look and find these videos. If you want to watch them, you'd have to find this article. If you want to read it, I really haven't been interested enough to search for either, but I have watched videos where they do have clips from these things. Uh, so I know they exist. I'm pretty sure they're real. And the way that, that Jack has been acting definitely demonstrates that they're real. And there's something that he would prefer his current audience not know about because it goes against many of the tenants with which they associate him. But clearly he has a whole other audience for his other life that he's been writing and shooting videos for as well. And those two groups both paid him money. And both of those groups likely are not the same group. The overlap is going to be fairly slim. So it is fun watching that stuff. But, but nonetheless, I am enjoying it. And I'm consciously experiencing schadenfreude, which is why I've been also posting links to this in uh, Nogen the Social as well. And I'm sure for many people, they're like, oh, Jesus, who cares about this drama? It really doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I agree. It's just drama. It really does not impact anything. The, uh, the COVID mandates are still out there. The government overreach is still there. All these political issues are still there. But sometimes it's just fun to have a bit of a laugh and to enjoy other people's misfortunes. And I wish all of you a happy 2022. May 2022 be nothing like 2021. And with that, I will sign off for the last time this year. Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. 